Hello, and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. All the uh, fights that we talk about here on the blog, well, the videos are up on my blog already. Okay, Schwan, you ready to go here? Yes, sir. Okay, so let's start with last Saturday. Of course, uh, Valentina Shevchenko uh, retained her uh, UFC flyweight championship with a split decision win over Taylor Santos. And of course, anytime there's a split decision, there's always, you know, cries of robbery and stuff like this there. I don't think there was a robbery here. Um, I think the first thing we need to do, Sean, is talk about how we scored it and then we can uh, uh, talk about uh, the rest of this. So the way I scored it is uh, round two is really the, the, the big round here. I scored, uh, I gave Taylor round one, uh, round three, and Valentina got four and five. And I gave, round two is pretty close, but I gave it to Valentina. And I'm going to say this. I don't really think Valentina won this fight. I think Taylor lost it. Okay. So how did you? Um, really, I I wasn't really going. I thought I'm kind of, I'm kind of similar in the, frame, in the frame of you um, in that I thought she got round one. Round two, I felt could have gone. Either way, um, the biggest round for Valentina, I thought, was round four. A lot of the rounds, I just, I just felt a lot of the rounds. I, I basically had a Valentina three to two for Santos, and um, I think in a lot of the rounds, people just were giving her that control, and they were ignoring the fact that that even though she was controlling her, they were trading takedowns, and Valentina was essentially dominating the standup. People just got so impressed with the control that they overlooked everything else that was happening throughout the fight. I don't think these people, I don't think uh, the, the viewers or sometimes the fighters, the coaches really understand what really counts in, in uh, scoring. And I thought what she was doing was in many cases, what Taylor was doing was in many cases a waste of time. Okay. Well, the, thing, the thing is, it's like when you have a fighter and Valentina has been very dominant. It's outside of um, when Jennifer Maya kind of took her down to that weight class and kind of controlled her for a round or so. We haven't really seen Valentina repeatedly taken down or when she takes someone down, them getting back up or improving position. So people are so shocked that this is happening, that Santos is defending takedowns, reversing takedowns, maintaining takedowns, and, and actually physically dominating Valentina on the ground, that people are – they're completely – Everything else Valentina get, does gets downplayed because they're like, look at this. Valentina can't get up. Look at this. Valentina can't get the takedown. Look at this. Valentina can't hold her down. They're so shocked by this because nobody thought it was possible. Everybody thought she was just going to run her over from the beginning that they're letting that shock over, over a shadow what's actually happening in the fight. And in the fight, Valentina's landing the cleaner shots on the feet. In the fight, Valentina is also getting takedowns. When she's taken down, she's attempting submissions too. And Valentina is not getting beat up on the ground. She's just getting controlled. Santos did a very good job. She did a much better job than everybody except for me expected. She took advantage of her physical tools. She exposed some of the limitations in Valentina's fight plan. But what she, but like you said, she got complacent. Her and her team got complacent. They're like, if we can just maintain control for another round, we've got it. 
but the fact of the matter is a control was never going to be enough. They needed to do damage. They needed to do some damage on the feet. They needed to do some damage on the ground. And they, and they never really attempted to do either. They were just content with getting takedowns, throwing her down, and holding her down. And I, I don't understand why anybody thought that'd be enough, especially with the way that, that fourth round went. All right, let's get, get, get back to that in a minute. I just wanted to uh, – so you, you scored it for Valentina, or how did you score it? Uh, I, I had I had Valentina winning it. I I, I didn't think Santos was going to win. I thought there was a chance, but I, I didn't think she was going to win. I I was watching the fight. I'm like, she's losing control of this fight. All right. So the the way the judges scored it is one of them scored it the same way that I did. Uh, the second one scored it 49-46 for Valentina. He gave her round one, which I disagree with, but it didn't mean anything in the, in the final score. And the one that scored it for. Uh, Taylor gave her the first three rounds. So basically, two or three judges gave Valentino round two. And so she deserved to win the fight, I thought. Um, so uh, one other thing that happened here, so there's a couple of things here. First of all, when are these fighters going to learn that when you're in a title fight, you got you can't take your foot off the gas? I mean, she started out okay. She won the first round. And then she took her foot off the gas. And one of these fighters going to learn what to do. Well, once again, it's the it's the results you see of Valentina took this takedown, and I threw her down, and I controlled her, and I felt I was close to finishing her. I had her in submission, and maybe she was close to finishing her. But it's it's the way Valentina fights. Valentina, when she's facing a, a bigger or dynamic opponent, she doesn't really throw heat on the feet. She gets careful. She stays at range. She throws her strikes to set up. The clinch attempt, the body lock takedown, the leg trick takedown. That's what she does. So Valentina is trying this the first couple of rounds, and it's, it's really not working. Santos is figuring it out. Santos is taking her down. When she takes Santos down, she can't really control her. So about late in the second round into the third round, instead of, instead of using the strikes to set up a takedown, Valentina starts using the strikes to land strikes, and she does something that you don't see her do often. She starts putting two, three, four, five shots together. Santos is getting hit with them, but instead of firing back or using a jab at long range or using a front kick or kicking her legs or throwing combinations, Santos is almost purely defensive, slipping shots and trying to get a hold of Valentina to take her down. So now what was somewhat competitive on the feet early now is totally one-sided because Valentina is ramping up the combination. She's backing Santos up and Santos is only throwing like two or three shots for every for, for every five or six, the Valentina's are on. Valentina's outworking her. She's landing the harder shots, and she's landing more shots than her. So now it's essentially, oh, I took her down. I controlled her. Yeah, she didn't knock me out on the feet, but she's landing three to everyone you land. You're backing up. You're missing. And yeah, you're taking her down, but you're not doing anything with it. She didn't take her foot off the gas as far as control, but she took her foot off the gas as far as actively looking to finish. She thought she did enough early with those submission threats that she could just... As long as, as long as I hold her down, as long as I hold on, as long as I don't get knocked out, I would have win this fight. And that is a terrible way for you to approach your fight. And the fact that her corner didn't see that, hey, look, she's turning it up. You need to start getting on your jab. You need to start kicking her to the legs. You need to start throwing to the body because she started to outwork you on the feet. All they kept saying is get another takedown. Get another takedown. Like, that's going to solve everything. Okay, so the other thing that happened was midway through the third round, there was a uh, accidental clash of heads. And... Daniel Cormier came out and said if it wasn't for the clash of heads, um, Tyler would have won the fight. But I actually think the worm had turned by then anyway. So uh, 
I think uh, it would, didn't really make any difference in that respect, except that um, what Taylor said was that she didn't realize that she couldn't see until the fourth round. And the thing was, if they weren't going to stop the fight at that point, it's a championship fight. Uh, they might have stopped it in round three. No contest, I think. But once you get into the championship rounds, you can't do that anymore. So, um, you know, she, she that's the other thing that beat her. She couldn't see. But the woman turned I, already anyway. I think I think the head clash played a part in it because she was disoriented. And now, since she, she couldn't really see both sides, she got extra gun shy. She was already hesitant. She already decided, I'm not going to try to throw combinations or counter Valentina or, or keep my range. I'm just going to settle for takedowns. But now that she was already... She her vision was impaired. Now all she's doing is looking to tie ups and takedowns. So she went completely defensive, which allowed Valentina to take complete control of the fight. If the head if the head clash doesn't happen, I think she might. I think there's a possibility she could have started working her jab, working her front kick, kicking to the leg, throwing body head combinations. That could have happened. But once she she was impaired visually, her corner thinking she had a lead said, "Just play it safe." And you can't play it safe. You you can't you can't play you can't play it safe for long when somebody's landing three to one to you on the feet and they're backing you up and you're missing everything. They 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 had control of the fight. They lost control of the fight. And the the head clash only made that worse. But if she would have been working her jab and her front kick and her long weapons and her kicks to the body and punches to the body, that head clash never happens. That head clash kept happening because she would swing big or Valentina would swing big and she would duck down to try and to, to counter the takedown. So in trying to get the takedown, their heads clash. If she would have been working her jab and staying in distance, using front kicks and head kicks to keep Valentina away from her, that, that head clash doesn't happen. The head clash, I, I was surprised it didn't happen earlier because they kept running into each other because every time Val came in and put combinations together, she's trying to hit a reactive takedown or she's trying to step inside the shot and tie her up. So it's only a matter of time before the head clash is going to happen. I, I'm surprised that didn't happen in round two or three. Okay, so Taylor suffered a broken orbital bone. She's going to have surgery next week. Now, the the coaching by Marshall Malka doesn't make me hopeful for Marina Rodriguez winning a possible title fight because that's her teammate, right? So uh, let's great. Let's talk about the coaching here because he really kind of failed her. Well, he did, but this is the difference. Marina Rodriguez isn't – I don't think she's quite the athlete that Santo is, Santos is per, per se, but she's she's faced seasoned, experienced veteran fighters. So even if her corner's not directing her, I've seen Marina switch up her attacks. I've seen her, oh, I'm down, the, it's getting a little close on the feet. I'm going to switch to the – I'll switch to the wrestling a little bit, then come right back to the striking. Oh, she's taking away my – she's taking away my wrestling, so I'm going to I'm going to emphasize the striking really quick, open her up, get right back to the wrestling. She can flip that switch back and forth with Santos. And I don't know what they said in the corner. Maybe the corner told her to make an adjustment, but it, but Santos, part of it's on the corner and part of it's on the team, the preparator, and part of it's on Santos herself. Cause even if your corner is not telling you what was a fighter, if you've been trained appropriately and you've been studying the game and studying your opponent, you should realize what's happening. You should realize before Valentina's hitting me with one or two shots. Now she's hitting me with three, four, five, and six. You, you should know there's a difference. If you don't know that you're getting handled on the feet, dominated, and you think a takedown is going to bounce that out, that means you don't know the rules and you don't understand the flow of the fight. Now, of course, your corner in between rounds should be telling you that, but in the middle of the fight, you, you should feel the fact her volume's going up, you're backing up, and you can't hold your ground. No. You should know that. Marina, 
Marina's going to know that. Marina's going to figure that out herself. All right. So I wanted to finish this by saying, didn't I predict this last week? I think so. You know, I basically said I didn't think that she was experienced enough for this fight and that that's really what the problem was. The problem was she thought she was winning and she she made a big mistake by not pressing, by not being aggressive. Huge mistake. But that's inexperienced one. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it was a big it's the big gap between them. It's it's what Valentina has two advantages she's have over everybody. She's faced the most. She's faced the best opposition. So there's the experience. And at this weight class, she's essentially the very best athlete. So not only is she two times, three times faster than you, stronger than you, hits harder than you. She also understands what it's like to have to fight her way back into a fight or how to figure someone out. Santos hasn't had to figure anybody out. Nobody's been able to get past her volume and her athleticism. Most of the girls who who, who succeeded this weight class. They succeed because they, they're able to dominate. They don't know what it's like to have somebody physically dominate them or outclass them on skills. Valentina's been there at Bantamweight. She's been there, and that, that's something to reach from. When the fight's not going her way, she knows what she needs to do. She's willing to pay that price. Santos never really had to pay that price. Nobody was able to punish her. And when she started punishing her, Santos started wilting a little bit under the pressure. And I don't, once again, I don't know if her corner said, this is what you need to do. Maybe they didn't make a mistake. But for her to come out with the same plan round after round after round shows that no adjustment was made. And if there's no adjustment, either y'all missed it or, or she doesn't trust you enough to buy into whatever adjustment you told her. If she's not making a change, you're telling her change, you, she doesn't trust you, which is another coaching issue. It doesn't really, ma- doesn't really matter. But, you know, I just – It's I hope pretty clear. Back, what, that, that injury no, is serious. That injury is serious. Yeah, but it's, it was pretty clear what was going to happen in this fight. That's why I predicted it. Well, know, I got it right. What do you know? Even a blind squirrel finds it. Well, you were right, but I mean, and, and, this, and this isn't for you so much, but it's other people who really felt this fight wouldn't be competitive at all. It's not like she didn't have a chance to win it. Most people didn't think she had a chance to win it. She had no, a chance to win it. She just I, didn't do the she extra. Just, she didn't do it. She didn't do what she needed to do. And that's inexperienced. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to, oh, one other thing. I guess what's going to happen next is Valentina is going to take on the winner of Juliana Pena versus Amanda Goodness. That's a good fight. I mean, it makes sense for her. I mean, it's good because if they get her out of that division, they can get a new champion. I don't think they want her to be the champion of that division. And if she gets a band of weight, I think she's going to move up. I don't think she's going to be a double champ. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Don't know about that yet. All right, now then we had this rematch. Shane Whaley beat Joanna Radicek with a spinning back fist in the second round. The main thing that Zhang did in this fight that she didn't do in the first fight took Joanna to the ground because that's how you beat her. Okay, Joanna has no ground game. She's never had one. She's good takedown defense, but if somebody can take her down, you can finish her. You can you can do something with her, and so that's what I thought was the difference. And um, I think the layoff was a big big issue too. I, I thought the layoff was, but you had you had to assume you had to assume at some point or another, um, Wiley was going to go for a takedown. Her striking, while dynamic, has issues with long fighters who are fluid and confident. 
because she's she's not always super good with range. When she's pressuring you, she reaches a little bit, she gets a little eager, and she she throws shots so she can be countered. It's been an issue with her in the first fight with Joanna. It was an issue in two fights with Rose Nama Yunus. She's best when someone is settling down, standing right in front of her, and firing or pressuring her. And Joanna come out came out with trying to make it a firefight, putting pressure on her, throwing volume. She she to me she walked into those takedowns. She walked into them. Part of the reason part of the reason she's hard to take down is because she's always staying in her range and moving. She's chopping you up while you're coming to her. But she started putting the combination together. She walked into it. Try that again. I, basically, when. When Joanna's best at defending takedown is when she can either push you back or when she's at range, hitting you with combinations and moving all around the cage. It's harder for you to get to her because her footwork and her movement is pretty sharp. So you have to reach for takedowns. You got to telegraph them and then you got to keep going because she's punishing you at long range. And when you attempt to take down, she's kneeing you to the body, hitting you with short shots to the head. But if she starts chasing you, it's easier to hit a reactive takedown. And she came towards Wiley trying to put combinations onto her and Wiley just took the takedown that Joanna served up for. Like I, I would have liked to see her on her back foot using that jab, using her long range, make Wiley come to her, counter her, and then try to push her back. Not just come out trying to walk, just to blow, blow through her in the first round. She couldn't do that in the first fight. Why did she think she could do it in the second? Okay, so the end result of this fight is one, uh, Shane Wiley is getting a title shot against Carla Esparza. Not in Abu Dhabi, apparently. That doesn't really surprise me. And uh, Joanna retired, which also didn't surprise me. I was the guy who kept saying she wanted to come back in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I guess she wanted to go out on her on her own terms. I mean, it was an exciting fight. She got to do a little victory lap. The fans praised her. Her fellow fighters praised her. She's still no worse than number two in the division, as far as historically speaking. Um, but she just, she just, I think all the, I think all the years in the, with her style of fighting, I think it all just caught up to her. She was already in decline when she fought her the first time. Now she's at maximum decline and she's fighting in a st style that doesn't benefit her. So I'm, I'm glad she retired. I'm glad she's successful. I hope she's happy. And, um, you know, she did her job as a fighter. She never sold anybody short as far as her effort and as far as the, uh, excitement level in her fights. Yeah, she's a big celebrity in Poland, so she's, uh, she, she doesn't need to fight anymore. Yeah, wish her, wish her nothing but the best. And uh, it's a great win for Wiley. I know she's going to get the title fight. I don't – as impressive as this fight was, when someone serves themselves up to you like that, I'm just not as impressed as other people. I get why they're doing it, but I don't – I'm not as impressed by other people as this fight, by the way it ended. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, but that's about the size of it. Okay. All right. Now we got two other fights here, which I want to don't want to spend a lot of time on. Now, the first mm -hmm. one we had at Strawweight, we had Silvana Gomez Juarez knocking out uh, Na Liang in the first round. And the bottom line I got out of this is Na Liang uh, should not be in the UFC. Yeah, she's long, she's fast, but ultimately she's limited as far as a wrestler and grappler. It ended up being a stand-up fight, and Gomez, nothing else. She's got good timing, and she hits pretty hard. And when you're throwing that hard and throwing that wide with somebody who hits hard and has good timing, you're going to get countered. And she, she basically had she ha she doesn't have the knockout of the year, but it's definitely one of the top five knockouts of this year. That was that was pretty vicious. Yeah, but I don't think she's any good anyway. 
No, well, she's she's limited, but she can beat other people in this fight. They should has she fought Molly McCann yet? Maybe they should put her in with her next. Oh, yeah. We'll see. All right, and the fourth fight. This was at um, um, featherweight. It had Jocelyn Edwards beat Ramona Pasquale by unanimous decision. Schwan, I kind of thought Ramona won that fight. What do you think? Um. I, I could see why people thought it was because she was she was landing the sharper and the heavier shots for the most part. Um, I favored um, Jocelyn's I just favored Jocelyn's work rate except for in the first round her work rate was just a lot higher than Pasquale's and in late in that in late in that third round it was just a domination that was a complete domination that third round and in, and even though Pasquale could argue that she won I think she won the first round the second round was close. At no point did she separate herself like, like Jocelyn did late in that fight. Jocelyn was like, I mean, that, that was just brutal. I'm not going to say it's a 10-8, but that was the widest 10-9 I've seen in a while. She was just giving it to her. Yeah. It wasn't much of a fight anyway. I don't like either of them, so that's what I'm saying. It showed, it, showed, it, showed, it showed why neither one of them is probably going to be a, a contender at all or, at, or for a long time. Okay, so all four of those fights are up on my blog. So have a look at them if you like. Now, for this Saturday, we have two women's fights on the show. The first one is a flyweight. It is Jasmine Jazdavicious versus Natalia Silva. Jasmine is from St. Catharines, Ontario. She trains at, um, what's the name of the place? Niagara uh, Top Team. So what is it? We got a lot of female fighters from the Niagara Peninsula, eh? You know, yeah, she's not the only one. She's not the only one. Um, she won her last fight. Um, she's an LFA. Um, I would say she's an LFA quality fighter. So she probably, you know, we'll see if she could do better. I think she's in a little trouble here. Tommy Silva is making her UFC debut. She's from Minas Gerais, Brazil. She trains at Team Borracha which is uh, owned by uh, UFC, uh, is it middleweight? Paulo Costa. Mm-hmm. And, and Natalia was supposed to make her UFC debut last year, but she suffered a broken arm during training. So it's been delayed for about a year and a half, I guess. And um, she's a former jungle fight champ. So uh, I think they're looking to showcase her. Yeah, I mean, Jasmine's a very physical. She 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 works at a high rate. She's she's got the wrestling background. She's faced good athletes before, or at least she's faced one fairly good athlete in Kay Hansen, and she kind of bullied her. But she she's not a very punishing fighter. She's not a very dynamic fighter, especially on the feet. I don't even know that she's really punishing or dynamic as far as submissions go in the grappling range. Uh, it seems like they're setting Silva up for 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 a showcase fight they need a girl who's got to win a girl who's dangerous but not really dangerous in the sense that she can punish you and it seems like silva's the better finisher and the better athlete so i'd probably say jasmine's gonna get beat up in this fight it is what the ufc wants but if jasmine plays it smart and keeps pressure on her and uses her mixes her wrestling and striking she might be able to surprise her to a win because she is the vet she is she has faced a better talent at least ufc talent level and she does have a tremendous advantage as far as the wrestling. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, I, I mean, I saw, 
her stats and that sort of thing. So they're looking for her to win, for Natalia to win. Okay. And the other fight, which is at strawweight, is Gloria De Paula versus Maria Oliveira. Both Brazilian fighters. Gloria De Paula is from Curitiba, Brazil. Of course, she is the girlfriend of Mayra Buena Silva, who's also a UFC fighter. And uh, these two now own their own team. But they used to train at um, Shootbox Diego Lima. Uh, she doesn't impress me. She hasn't impressed me yet. Uh, her opponent is worse, though. Maria Oliveira is a um, um, is a PRVT fighter. We first saw her in 2018 in the Brazilian Contender Series, and since so, so the reason she's in the UFC is because of course PRVT moving to Las Vegas, it's easier to uh, get one for for the, for uh, for Gaylor Piranha to get one of his fighters in the UFC because. You know, if she was still in Brazil, she would not be in the UFC. Okay, but because they needed somebody to pinch, here she is. She's terrible, though. She's really bad. Yeah. Well, most of their fighters, from my experience, they're not they're not great fighters. They're all versions of Jessica Andrade. Usually, less dynamic and less athletic, durable versions of her. One thing is they're, they're going to be involved in fairly exciting fights because they're so limited. They have to rely on pressure and volume. So they end up being exciting fights. But ultimately, they end up getting exposed against the better class of the fighter. The problem in here is Gloria DePaula. I don't know that she's really a better class of fighter. She might be more. Yeah. But she, she's not devastating. She's not really a high-class athlete. We've seen her be bullied. We've seen her get roughed up and bullied and backed up against physical, aggressive fighters. So even though she should be the better fighter, this girl just comes after her, just chases after her and puts pressure on her. Because every time that's happened, she's lost. So Yeah, it, it's, it's – I don't think – I don't think either of them are any good. Except I yeah. think Maria is worse. How about that? Yeah, technically, technically and strategically, she's probably worse. But if she if she's actually physically tough, throws hard and throws with volume, I wouldn't be shocked if she beats DePaula because DePaula seems a wilt under physicality and pressure. So I think the UFC just needs body. They need body to fill these divisions. To, to, so when they bring their blue chip girls through, they can be a girl who's got two or three wins in the UFC and slowly build them instead of just throwing them to the sharks. They're trying to build and fill out. The I get why they're doing this, but fans have to suffer through some less than stellar performances to, to get that one or two blue chip prospects. Okay, I just wanted to mention that uh, Poliana Botello got released from the UFC. That's damn shot. They, they gave her a fair shot. She just couldn't do it. She couldn't get it done. Okay, anything else you want to talk about, Sean? Uh, yes, and one last thing. All those female fighters who we see get cut from the UFC probably go to a smaller event because the ufc is doing so many shows and it's so hard to find female fighters with legit quality experience or names on the resume guess what happens to those girls who get cut they'll get a call back if somebody drops out and you know someone's gonna drop out so if you're a female if you're a wmma fighter your camp does not need to rush you into the ufc the ufc lacks lighter women fighters they're always going to need lighter women fighters if you turn them down right now somebody's gonna drop out of fight six months a year two years they're going to call you because there's not enough girls with any sort of resume and any sort of skill set. 
That's why we see the same retreads getting cut and brought right back, cut and brought right back. They don't have the numbers, so you don't have to rush it. Get your skill set up so when you get there, you can actually perform instead of getting beaten up and have to listen to me and Frank take apart, take apart your coaching staff and your fighting style. Just don't do it. We don't want to do it. We want to see good fight. <coughs> yeah, Lucy Pudilova is an example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, she did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah she did. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you in Invicta. Anyways, yeah. that's uh, anyways, that's about it, folks. Uh, again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. All the fights that we talk about go up on the blog, usually uh, on Sunday morning. If you have any questions or comments for the blog for the blog or my podcast, you can leave me a voicemail. If you subscribe to my podcast, you can do so at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.